Well, it's good to see y'all. If you're a guest, I'm Dave, and I'm, I'm the pastor. We're so glad you're here on Epic Sunday. Hey, even if you're a guest, we hope you come to the barbecue. You may not have planned on it. You can hang around here. There's a, be a lot of folks hanging around. I know you say I may not know anybody. Listen, we have four services. Don't we have three today? We have four services. I guarantee you most people don't know most people. So maybe somebody will probably just come up, you know, and you can just pretend like someone says, hey, I'm so-and-so from this service. So I go to the other service. I never see you. I mean, you can, you can just do that. I don't care if you tell them. It doesn't matter if you tell them the truth. It's a, it's a picnic. We don't barbecue. You know. Pretend you're from Texas. It's just you're just telling tall tales. That's all we do. But we're in a, we, we love having you here. And, and um, we're, we're in this series entitled Being Human, Being Me, What It Means to Be Human. We started off with... Um, with just talking about being in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. Then we talked about the fact that being human is no excuse for sin. And last week we talked about some things we have in common from a spiritual side. And, you know, when I, so when I put this series together, so what I do is in the spring of a year, I plan all the sermon series out in the sermons for the following calendar year. So in spring of 22, I did all of 23. And, you know, and you, you put it all together, and then you put it away. And a few months beforehand, I get it out and go back over things, getting ready as the weeks go by. And so in the spring of 22, Debbie was sick. I mean, she was sick with cancer. But we didn't, I mean, I had no idea she was going to pass away. You know, and she died, uh, it was a few months, you know, October 20th of 2022. That was a year ago on Friday. That marked the time of her passing. And, uh, you know, it, when summer came around and I pulled out this whole series and began looking at what I was preaching for this Sunday, which is basically the anniversary uh, of her passing, I looked at the message and I said, God, you've got to be kidding me. There's, there's no way. No way this could be real. But, you know, God has an amazing way of planning things the way he wants and working things out the way he wants. So we're just going to do today's message and today's message is entitled, All Things Come to an End. It's about death. And we're going to be in John chapter 11. I'll be in John chapter 11 the next few weeks. The story of this guy named Lazarus and his family, Mary and Martha. And what I want you to do today is just take a journey with Jesus a little bit. And then also, you're going to take a little bit of a journey with me. And we're going to look back at a question that I've dealt with for so much, especially, you know, 15 months ago up until the time she passed. And the question simply is this, what is the value of death? What really and truly is the value of death? And so I'm going to just today look at two statements that we humans tend to make. And, uh, and, and one of them is we all kind of make it, and the one should make more often. The first statement is this, Jesus, if only you. You ever say that? Jesus, if only you, whatever. Or maybe you say, Jesus, whatever. But, that, that, what but that's the thing. Jesus, if only, if only. And uh, we come today and, uh, to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And they're, we're, we're going to look at their life a little bit this week and the next week. They lived in this little town called Bethany. It's a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And they were good friends of Jesus. And Lazarus had died, been dead four days. And I'm really just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop over first to chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. Then I'll come back and start off. But verses 20 and 21, this is what we see. Then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I mean, they, they just did what came natural. You know, when you lose someone, when someone passes, you know, whatever. You, know, you, you, you struggle, you do what comes naturally. That's what came natural to them. And Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, Jesus, Lazarus would still be alive. Now, this is, she's not mad at Jesus. This is not a rebuke. She understands he was away. Lazarus has been dead four days. At least Jesus couldn't have made it back. But this is a statement, really, of regret. 
as well as faith, regret that Jesus wasn't there because she knows. Listen, they all know. Jesus had healed hundreds, if not thousands of people. He had already taken two people and raised them back to life. And so she knows, and they know, that if Jesus had been here, whatever was wrong with Lazarus, Jesus would have healed him. Not that he could have. He would have healed him. And she's just like saying, if you'd have just been here, Jesus, if you'd have just been here, it would be different. And I know that. Why couldn't you have found some way? Now, she's not upset, but why couldn't you just, why couldn't you have been here? Well, understand that. Because about a year ago, you know, I was thinking about the Lord, and, and I was saying something similar to that. I was saying, Jesus, you could have kept Debbie from dying. You could have. He could have kept her from dying. He had the power to do that. I asked him to do that on numerous occasions. It didn't always work that way. And sometimes you ask, Jesus, where are you? Where are you kind of when I need you? Jesus, why aren't you coming through for me right now? Why isn't that happening? Chapter 10, when, when, when John reveals kind of the flow of his gospel, and chapter 10 is pivotal because the Pharisees are after Jesus, and he, and he makes this phenomenal statement. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall by no means ever perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand, and my Father, who is greater than all, has given them to me. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And it says the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus. But people began to believe and believe. And it became dangerous for Jesus to get too close to Jerusalem. But when you get to chapter 11, Passover is not very far away. And the death of Jesus isn't very far away. And in chapter 11, verse 1 begins this way. Now a man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Bethany was just a couple miles away. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they were popular people. People knew them. I mean, people know who they are. In fact, we're told in verse 2, Mary was the one who anointed Jesus with ointment, the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who's sick. The, 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 the synoptic gospels tell the story of, of Mary doing this, and, and Jesus said what she did will be known by everyone. In 12, the 12th chapter of John, he tells it, but he says, you already know her, and they know her because even though this was when John wrote this, it was 50 years at least after the event, everybody knew Mary because Jesus said they know her, and they all knew who she was. So he's saying, it's that Mary. You know her. So verse 3 says this. The sister sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Now, the word love uh, they probably sent the note and wrote in Hebrew or Aramaic, but John wrote it down in Greek, and he chose the word phileo. It's the idea of, of, of kind of brotherly love. You think the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, if you're a cowboy fan, you know it's not. You know it's not that way at all. That's a horrible city, you know. Looks like in the last year, the Astros from Texas, you know, God bless Texas, that's where I'm from, beat Philly in the World Series. Looks like a Texas team for sure, one of God's teams are going to play probably. I know you, some of you Arizona fans thinking Arizona not making the World Series, but, you know, you got to wake up, smell, smell life, man. It's not going to happen. And so it's going to be that way again. But in reality, it means to have affection. He said, man, the one you really care about, he's sick. Verse 4 says, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not meant for death. Telling his disciples this. But it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He said, it's not going to end up in death. But, you know, he does die. So that kind of seems odd. 
Now, I know he's going to raise him back to life, and it's really not dealing with that, but what he's saying is this. The focus of this story won't be on the death of Lazarus. This is not about death, but it's about God's glory. He's saying, but not only that, this whole event will reveal the glory of the Son of God. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He's saying, it's going to reveal my glory. Not just that he'll be glorified, but that his glory will be seen by people through what's going to happen. The life of a believer is to live to bring glory so that people can see the glory of Jesus and who he is and come to him. When Debbie got uh, sick in 22, she, she, they found the cancer. They had the surgery in March. It was successful, but, but then they discovered it was a really aggressive form of cancer and had already come back. And So it's in, it's in the spring. We're, uh, she's starting to take some chemo. We're going to go off in May on this vacation. We had a plan for a year. Taking, we haven't been on a vacation with our daughter in a long time. Some good friends of hers are coming. Debbie left her friends. I'm, I'm going on, on this vacation with really like four women. This is not really what I wanted to do. But, you know, it was like, you know, I understood Job and patience and all that. And uh, it's kind of what I went through. But, you know, before we went, she knew she would lose her hair. And she goes, I want to I wanna go get a wig. I said, okay. And she goes, I want to go San Antonio to get a wig. And I said, fine. So we went and got wigs. By the way, hair is very expensive. You know that? Some of us don't have much. We value that hair. I don't value it that much. But um, so we were there. And we're in the hotel. We're at the Comfort Inn and Suites. And I'm sitting on the couch doing some work. And she's in bed, and I just hear her sobbing. She's just crying. And I go down next to her, and I said, what's wrong? She says, I don't want to die. I really don't want to die. And I said, I, I don't want you to die. But you're not going to die. You're going to beat this. She said, but listen to me. If I'm going to die, I want people to know I love Jesus. I want them to look at me, and I want them to see my faith. And see what it means to follow Jesus. I thought, wow, you're thinking that right now? And a few months later, when she began to slowly die, it's exactly what she did. She showed me and the people who began to realize she was sick what it means to reveal Jesus, even in death. In verses 5 to 10, they begin to talk about the fact that Jesus can't really go to Jerusalem because they're trying to kill him there. And they, and they don't want him to go. And he's going to go. And they don't want him to go. The disciples don't. In verse 11, Jesus tries to bring some clarity. So here's what he says. He said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go so that I may waken him from his sleep. Now, sleep is kind of a euphemism for death for a Christian. And it's, it comes from Jesus. So verse 12 said, the disciples said this to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will come out of it. I mean, that makes sense. He's asleep. He can come out of it. So verse 13, Jesus has to clarify. So Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking about actual sleep. You know, I'm speaking about death. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes. That's the strange comment. And I was not there. I'm glad for you guys, for you disciples. I'm glad for you. I wasn't there. I would have saved him. I was there. And, and he gives the purpose of it so that you might believe. So let's go to him. He didn't care what's happening. He didn't care what's going on. He said, we're going to go. You can believe. Now, they have no idea what's coming. 
because he's dead. So what is he going to do that they might believe? But the key is the word belief, to have faith, to trust. Certainly these guys already believe in Jesus. Yes. But it's going to take them to a depth of belief that they cannot possibly fathom from doing a miracle that is impossible for any human to do. Take a man dead four days and bring him back to life. And belief is so important. It's towards the end of his gospel. And I shared this with you way back in, uh, I think, the Easter season when I preached a series about belief. It's what it was called. It was from John 20. John said, I, these things I've written so that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life in his name. But I wrote all this so you can believe. Believing matters. See, Jesus wants us to believe, to follow him in life and in death. Not just when the times are good, but when times are hard, when death comes. He wants us to know you always keep believing and trusting him. So they went to Jerusalem in an area outside called Bethany. A little suburb, basically. And they went there because there was something important that needed to happen so people would trust Jesus. Lazarus had been dead four days. We come back to verse 20. Let me read it to you again. So Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if he had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's what she said. Jesus, if only you. If only you. If only you. And she, she was right, you know. If only Jesus, if only Jesus. That's the first statement I want you to see. But there's a second statement I want to give you. It's really not mentioned explicitly. It's implied. It's said more really in the message next week, but it's so important. And the statement is this, Jesus, I still trust you. Because that's what Martha's basically saying. Jesus, I still trust you. It's not always easy to trust Jesus. When things aren't going your way, it could be kind of hard. I met Jesus, Debbie in the fall of 1976. She had moved that summer from Tomball, Texas. Her mom had married her stepfather, and they moved there, moved to San Antonio. And she lived around the corner from a couple of families that had daughters that went to the church I went to, Park Hills Baptist. So they brought her. She would also go to my, my high school, but I didn't really see her much there, but I saw her in church. And I remember seeing her thinking, man... She is really good looking. That's what, that's, what God, that's what attracted me. I know you're saying, man, that's, that's shallow. I was 15. It was shallow. I'm 62. I'm, I'm still shallow. There's no depth. Nothing's changed. That's, you know. But in, in, um, on April 22nd, 1977, we went out on our first date. And we went, we went over to uh, Mama's restaurant, which was, the, which was a, the place to go in North San Antonio back then. And uh, it's not there anymore, but there's a mama's cafe, which is kind of a relative in town. And uh, we went there, and then we went to the Laurel Theater. That's, that's, that was back when movie theaters had one screen, and Rocky was on, so we went to see Rocky. And we're walking out of the theater, I'll never forget it, walking out, and I remember running in the corner, and she just took her little hand, and she slipped into mine. She just grabbed my hand. Now, she would tell the story. She would say that I took her hand. But that's not happening. It's not the way it went. It's a well-known fact about her. And it's been documented. It's been proven. She pursued me relentlessly. 
She was like a shark that smelled blood, and all I was to her was chum, man. She went after me with everything. I mean, I remember, I remember the day she finally just looked at me and said, are we going to get married or what? If not, I'm going to move on. And we're like, we're 20. What do you mean? You know, what do you, what do you mean? And she says, I want to know. And I just said, that's, that's enough of that. I said, I'm going to tell you why. Don't be giving me ultimatums. I'll, we'll get married when I tell you. We'll get married when I'm ready. So a few months later, we were married. And um, <laughs> we were 21. She was good looking. We walked out of that theater, and she put her hand in mine. And we spent the rest of our life hand in hand, going through life. And when you're young, you, never, you know what you never think about is death. I mean, we're 21 when we got married. We had, we had forever. We never thought about it. We had good times. We had tough times like everybody. You know, and even, even as we got older, you don't think about it. When we turned 60, you don't think about it. She turned 60 a little bit before me. Um, she's four and a half months older than me. And uh, what that means, basically... Um, it's, you know, it's for four and a half months out of the year, I basically was a trophy husband. I mean, that's what, that's what I was. Uh, you know, I was what you would call arm candy, you know? You know, Rusty, how that is. Like, just, you're just there for the show. That's how I was too, man. Just you and me. And, um, you know, that's how it was. But even, you don't talk about death. You think, I, we got 15, 20 years at least. And then one day, you have cancer, and it gets worse, and you begin to realize you don't have much time. And I, I was there saying, Jesus, if only you, Jesus, if only you. Now, I'm, I'm a Baptist pastor. I got cards in my deck you can't possibly imagine. I'm playing all of them. I'm saying, Jesus, you owe me for this. Jesus, you owe me for that. Jesus, you can do this. Jesus, I need her. I need her to be able to serve. The church needs her. I'm, and I'm even saying, Jesus, if you need someone to die, I'm listing people he can take instead of her. A few of you were mentioned, sorry, that's just the way it goes. But I'm saying, Jesus, if only you, if only you, if only you, and the whole time she is saying, Jesus, I still trust you. I still trust you. Death is cruel. It's our enemy. That's why God, in the Garden of Eden, said to Adam and Eve, don't sin. Don't you sin, because you're going to die. You're going to die. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and when I preached my series last month on the return of Christ, I, I used this passage in one of the messages. In, in, in the first Corinthians 15, he said, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? Death is our enemy, but he says death has no victory for us. He has no victory for the Christian. This doesn't win. It has no sting. The sting of death, the, the poison of death is sin. It's what takes us. The enemy is death, but we don't have that death, and yet we all die. I know Jesus might come again in our lifetime, and I get that, because I preached a whole series. He's going to come again, but the odds are, I look at it, he hasn't come in 2,000 years. I'm not got all that much left. He's probably not coming in my lifetime. If he does, fine, but he's probably not. We're gonna, I'm going to die. So where is the value of death for me? So understand this, for the follower of Jesus, the value of death is that it leads to life. It leads to life. It, I mean, death isn't the end. 
It just begins. Because when I follow Jesus, he gives eternal life to me. That's why he said, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. That's life forever. He gives it. You can't ever lose it. And I know I have that. And I know for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, that's what we have. We have all of that life. So that even when we die, we still have life. And I know, I mean, we don't want to die. Listen, this life is all we have. I'm all we know. I realize there's more and it's going to be fantastic. But I cling to this life. Because this is all I know. It's all I really have to reference. And yet I also know. When this life ends, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. But know this too, that for the non-follower of Jesus, the value of death is it serves as a harsh and blunt reminder of what awaits you if you never follow Jesus. I do a lot of funerals. I don't do as much anymore, but over the, my life I have. And, and, and every time there are people sitting out there who aren't followers of Jesus, and I know they think about death. I think about death every time I do a funeral. I think that's going to be me one day. I can't imagine sitting out there knowing that's going to be you and not having any idea what will happen. Oh, you can kind of think, well, I think I'll go to heaven. I've been pretty good. No, depends on who you compare yourself to. Anybody can be good if you compare yourself to the right person. Or maybe you think God's just going to let everybody in. Of course, that defeats the whole purpose of sending Jesus. All of that does. The truth is, you don't have any idea what's going to happen. And it probably scares you. And that's a horrible way to go through life. And death is a reminder. You don't know what's going to happen. But I know this. You're not going to be with Jesus. And I can promise you whatever happens ain't going to be good. It's just not going to be good. It's a reminder to you. And some of you are followers of Jesus. This sermon is telling you what waits you. It's not good. It's hell. It's the price of your rebellion. But I'll say this also. I think in some degree the ultimate value of death is that for the believer is the pathway to life. I've already said that. Eternal life. The life with Christ. But more than that. And we and our loved ones can have assurance of that life in the here and now. The great thing is that even now as a follower of Jesus, I have the absolute assurance of what will happen. Even now as I know that Debbie has passed, I know what has happened. There's assurance. There's peace. That's why Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. I follow. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish or have it snatched away. That's the promise. The absolute stone cold promise that if we believe and follow Jesus, he gives us eternal life. Man, that's so cool. And Debbie passed on October 20th at a, right before 3 o'clock in the morning. But to me, for me, she really died on the 19th. That's when I lost her, when she quit responding. And, you know, it, it was fortunate. Um, her mama got to come and brother and sister got to come. They didn't, she didn't respond to him, but they got to come. I mean, not, you know, not in the way you'd want. And then my daughter made it in right before midnight, got to see her. But they had kind of left, go to the hotel room. And I'm there, and Tanya's with us. And I think Tanya, Tanya's a close friend. She was good. I tell, I tell all the time that when Debbie was there, Tanya was with us, and she was doing something. I came to her, watch, what do you need, baby? And she looks at me and says, where's Tanya? I'm like, okay. So I don't rate very high. So Tanya was important. But I'm watching the life slip away, breath by breath. And I'm just praying, Lord, it's time to take her. She's ready. And then finally she takes that last breath. And I lean over and I kiss her on the head. And I say, praise Jesus. She's at peace. And you know what? I was at peace. 
I was absolutely at peace because I knew where she was. You know, the cool thing about heaven is this, there's no time in heaven. You know, you're there. She's in heaven. You know, I don't know how long I have left on this earth, but, you know, it could be a long time. And she's in heaven. And one second she turns around and there I am. Hey. I don't know if, you know, in that one second, if she's excited about me being there, I don't know if she missed me. Maybe in that one second, my biggest fear is that she took that one second and found somebody else. I don't know. It's not clear what happens. I'm, 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 I'm hoping not. But there's that peace. When my mom died, and, and I had to leave, and I left her because I had to go back to Bridgeport, and, and I knew she wasn't going to wake up, and, it was, and I took care of everything for our family that needs to be done. I left, and I was coming back, and I got the phone call from my daughter. And I just pulled over, and I'm just like, praise God, she's at peace. See, that's the value of death, is that they're not, they're not really dead. They're going to be with Jesus. It's the peace of our life. Maybe more than anything, though. The real value of death is that it reminds us of the value of life, of being human. We're human. Our life has value. From the moment of conception, our life has value. And it reminds us that life is worth it, that life has meaning, that life has value. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, what value does your life have? I don't care how many buildings they name after you, how many monuments there are. When you go to face eternity without Jesus, your life had no value. But for the believer, it does. Life matters. It's worth it for us. Today, Epic Sunday is such a cool day. I mean, it is one of the highlights we do, and it's a great event for us. We have such a cool church. Our church is amazing, and y'all are the church. The church is in the building. It's not the state. The people are the church. We have one of the most amazing churches you'll ever find. There's just not many churches like us. Listen, I've been doing this for 43 years. Trust me, there aren't many churches like us. There are very few. And I, you know, I think of all the churches I served, and they were all good churches, but two, you know, they were all fine, you know, and I had all that. And I come here, and it's great. And our staff's are great. I, we have an amazing staff. You know, I have to be careful. I don't say it very often because they have such, they have such huge egos and big heads. If you say it too much, you get so cocky. It's all I can do to model humility for them in every step of the way. It's just nice. I tried it's failure. He's over there folding his arms like, like that. The last Epic Sunday, for, Debbie loved Epic Sunday, but it was 2021. She, we didn't know she wouldn't be here the next year. And we're sitting out there on that lawn and there's baptism going on and it's so cool. And I had, I'm not doing anything because once I preach through here, I'm, I'm through. I don't do anything else. And we're just sitting there, and I'm thinking about all the years of ministry. And there were some hard years at times. There were some tough years. There were some lean years for our ministry. And, you know, I'm sitting there seeing all that. And I just, and I just grab her hand. This time I am the one that grabs her hand. And I, I'm said, I just said to her, we lived for moments like this. We lived for this. And she says, I know. And I leaned over and whispered to her, and it's been worth it. And she turned and looked at me, and she smiled and said, it was always worth it. And so it is. When you follow Jesus' life, it's always worth it. Even when it comes to death. And death will come for all of us. And you have to understand, when death comes, will your life have been worth it? Will your life have been worth everything you've lived for? And will you be able to say when that time comes, 
And will the people around you be able to say when that time comes, Jesus, I still trust you. I still trust you. So what then? Is the value of death? The value of death is Jesus. It's always Jesus. That in our passing from this life to eternity, we get to be with Jesus. But only if you follow him. Only if you trust him. And only if you believe. Everything comes to an end. And one day you will die. And when you die, will you go to be with Jesus? When you die, will you go to be with Jesus? If not, then why don't you trust him with your life? Why don't you give your life to him today and trust him to save you? In just a moment, there'll be some people here, some men and some women. If you want to come and say, I need to give my life to Jesus, then why don't you do that? Talk to one of them and trust Christ. Maybe you want someone just to pray with you about something or a family member that you know that needs Jesus. Maybe you want to join our church. What? Maybe you're facing death or someone you love is facing death and you want to pray with them. You can do that. But here's the thing. When you walk out of here today, just know this. When you walk out of here one day, all things come to an end. Be sure when it comes to an end, you can say, Jesus, I still believe. So, Father, we thank you for the glory that is Christ as our Savior and the fact that even in our sin, you love us so much that death doesn't have to be the victor. You love us so much that if we will but turn to Jesus, we will experience what life really is and we'll not be afraid of death and we'll not fear it because we'll have life, eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you stand? You come.